Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, Yale Bridge. She's the filmmaker behind the brand new film, The Big Scary S-Word. And if you remember a little, uh, well, a few years back, she did a little film called Saving Capitalism. She was the producer on that. But uh, it was great to sit down with Yale. So uh, please enjoy. Do you think that we are doing enough to make change in the world right now? I think that we're doing enough to make change in the world right now. Um, no, not, not nearly. Um, uh, yeah, no. Because we can look at the American system right now. And it's funny since the last time we talked, it seems like the Trump rhetoric is, is coming full force again. What the, do you do you see this going away? What do you see the next three years looking like, even to the midterms next year? Sure. What do you mean by Trump rhetoric is returning? Um, it seems like a lot of groups are coming back full force right now. We're getting a lot of the uh, of the original Trump talking points back in the media. Um, you have people like CNN, MSNBC doing the same kinds of things that they were doing leading up to the 2016 election that frankly got him to run in the first place. So now we're stuck at this crossroads again. Where do you see it going from here? I don't know. I mean, I think it looks bleak. I think that people, um, are just pretty disgusted and frustrated by the way the government is working. And that's a thing that I find just personally depressing because it, it seems like a really cool idea to have government and democracy and be like, hey, there's a bunch of people. Let's like organize together and try and make our lives easier and better. And we'll vote. And that's how everything will get decided. Like on like a very simple, naive approach it seems like a good idea and it is just completely not working. We don't have um, like the policies that poll well, that majority people want are nowhere close to being passed when we're looking at, you know, gun control, abortion rates, Medicare for all, parental leave, all of these things pull like well into the 60, 70% across party lines. And we're stuck in this two party system neither of which seem particularly interested in um, the majority will of, of their constituents. So I don't feel uh, great <laughs> about this whole experiment. Uh, you know, yeah. Do you notice a different America than when you were working with Robert on saving capitalism? Or did you think that this America was always there and it just kind of broke open how do you see America from then to now? Um, so we're looking like what, like the past, like five, 10 years to yeah. today. Um, I don't know. I think in a sense it was probably inevitable, like looking um, at the way Donald Trump legislated and his whole bravado and everyone was so shocked because he was saying one thing and doing another, like that doesn't feel radical to me, it's like maybe more upfront. So now more like good liberals are, are aware of how much lying is happening. Um, 
But, you know, the degree to which money has been corrupting politics, like that's not really new. The degree to which, you, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah, it just, it doesn't, if any, it maybe, you know, it's things, what did Susan Sarandon said? Like she got in so much trouble for saying like, I hope Trump wins so that things can get worse because that's the only way things will get better. And everyone, you know, wanted to burn her at the stake. I think, you know, I, I mean, that's like the only silver lining I can think of. I mean, and then we can look for optimism. We can look around right now. You know, people are saying like, oh, it's striketober. Everyone's going on strike. Kellogg's on strike. John Deere's on strike. Yahtzee's almost about to go on strike. I, you know, I'm a member or whatever of Kaiser, North California of Oregon. The nurses there are about to go on strike. The engineers, station engineers, they're on strike. So like, you know, you can see that people are just like increasingly fed up with their working conditions and the idea that there is so much profit being made and it's just nowhere nearly democratically distributed to the people creating that wealth. So I don't know, like that, that's kind of the only thing that gives me like a little bit of hope. Um, well, yeah. do, you th <clears throat> do you think that progressives are doing enough, even trying to fight people like Biden? Like, great, you can you can elect a Democrat, you can elect a liberal up here all you want, but unless you're fighting for those progressive ideas, it, it's essentially th the same thing over and over and over again. Do you find that the progressives are doing enough right now? Do you think that they're speaking up enough? I have no idea. Like I'm not, I'm not in DC. I'm not a politician. It doesn't look like enough for me, but I'm also not there. I don't understand the intricacies well enough to be able to say like, yes or no. It, it definitely seems like most politicians seem very interested in being reelected. And I think there just must be some psychology that happens once you get elected and you go, oh, well, I know I'm better than the other opponents I would have. So I can make this compromise to like get something that's less because I'm still going to be doing more than whoever my opponent would be. I don't know. There's just like some mind game that I think just must happen. And it seems, yeah, like inevitable. So I don't, I don't know that that's just like my armchair psychologizing. I don't really, yeah. Like I said, I don't know. Well, let's talk about the big scary S word because I'm curious, how did you originally think that you were going to, I guess, show socialism? What was the look and how were you trying to craft that look in the early stages? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it really began just as a question of like, what is socialism? I don't actually know what that word means. Um, and so, you know, it went from there um, and then trying to destigmatize that word by letting socialists define it for themselves. It seems like we are subject to this idea of what socialism is based on people, not even on the right, like, you know, Nancy Pelosi, like, you know, establishment Democrats, like socialism is still just absolutely like a terrifying word to them. Um, but like, let's see what actually socialists want. Like, what do they mean when they say I'm a socialist? Do they mean we want, you know, like no more markets and the gulag and everyone's wearing a uniform and there's no such thing as private property? Like, no, they don't. Uh, so, like we can stop talking about that when people say, oh, they're a socialist, this is what they want, when that's just not what they want. And so if we can educate enough people to understand what what socialism might look like, I think we'd be, you know, having a, a higher level conversation. 
what were some of the biggest things that you learned making this film about the word socialism? But even past that, what did you learn about filmmaking making this film? Past socialism into filmmaking. Um, well, this is the first film that I directed, uh, uh, like a feature. I directed several shorts, but this was my first feature directing. Um, I produced many features before. So, you know, I guess sort of um, there are many things that I like. <laughs> There's no shortage. There's like a long list. Um, I actually like have a list that I made while I was working on the film of like, make sure you remember this. Like this thing is tricky. That thing is tricky. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't know where to begin. I think probably having a director and producer not be in the same role um, would be helpful. I think that that's probably like the most concrete thing I learned about filmmaking is just like what exactly a producer does. I've been a producer before, um, but being the producer and director, I feel like I have a much better understanding of how to produce better. Um, it was, is that kind of why you stepped away from doing something like cinematography on top of the producing and the directing and everything else? Just because you, you had done that earlier in your career. So yeah, did you yeah, know, did you know everything. there's no way that you're going to be able to do this on a feature? Yeah. I mean, that's a different type of film. If you're making like a smaller, you know, observational project, I think there's definitely uh, like room to do everything and, you know, try and just go Fred Wiseman and, you know, just bring one person. And But like for this project, you know, when you're doing, and I'm also I'm small. I mean, the most like that's like on a very practical, like fundamental level, I'm five foot. And so whenever I do shoot, it's a lot of um, like the gear is hard. I'm shooting up nose and it's just like not, it doesn't look good. So <laughs> yeah. Making a film about socialism. Did you find that we as a society don't talk to each other enough? It doesn't matter what side we're on. It seems like we're becoming more and more polarized all the time. Did you notice that making this film? Um, I think that was happening before I mean I think that's been happening for a long time and I think that that is like the polarization that that's happening right like that's hap like we have the Democratic Party we have the Republican Party then we have like the fringes on on either side where you have um whatever you have like alt-right whatever groups and then you have leftists and socialists on the other side and I think that was a thing that I was like at one point kind of alarmed by um when I was seeing like that happening during the um the primary season in 2016 and seeing like Trump and the Republican Party going to the right and seeing Bernie being really successful and pushing the party to the left and I was like oh is this is this good like maybe this is bad we're like getting too extreme um and now I just think that was wrong <laughs> and sort of this idea of moderation as a as a value um and meeting in the middle there, i mean there's something very like nice about that as in concept like when you're a child and you like learn to share and you go oh there's only one cookie and there's two of us we should just like split it in the half um i don't think that it really works that way when the stakes are so high like there's no halfway to do climate change there's no halfway to have abortion policy like the these are things that have you know concrete and material impacts on people's like ability to live um and so i think uh it it, it 
they kind of had to, had to be more polarizing. Well, when things are so far down the toilet, <laughs> there's nothing but yeah. the most extreme to try to correct years of doing nothing. So, right. Yeah. I mean, what has been going on was very extreme. Like the fact that we can look at like the fossil fuel industry and they knew in the seventies that it, this was going to happen and they were allowed to do it. Like that is extreme. That is radical. Like having a response now that is, that looks extreme is, is like only a reaction to like the past 40 years of, of that policy. Do you think that we would ever see you tackle, I guess a, just a feature film get out of the documentary realm and, and, and come up with a narrative project. Um, should I, are those fun? I kind of don't like actors. <laughs> I guess you could always animate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I dated an actor for a long time and I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't recommend it. It was not, it was uh, not meant for sustainability. So, uh, uh, probably not. I'm interested in, in, in hybrid. I'm really interested in, in playing with genre and how, um, how you can do that. I, I, I think that is more likely than just like straight having a script and working with actors and fabricating, but looking at, um, like hyper stylized reenactments like Wormwood and, you know, different directions that can go in, um, is, is exciting to me. Yeah. Or animated documentaries, that type of stuff. Do you find yourself still getting, I guess, influenced by new filmmakers? Or do you find yourself always reverting back to filmmakers of the past? Uh, um, no, I feel really inspired by new filmmakers and new films I've seen. I confess, like, the last six months or so, I've been not watching heavy content or even, like, good content I'm at, like... This as the, the seasons of COVID, like the season I'm in right now is like watching Dawson's Creek. Like that's about like all I have bandwidth for at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, historically, and then, you know, up until six months ago, for sure, like watching um, new films that I was really good in the beginning of COVID and was watching a lot of um, like really great, beautiful new films that people are making and feeling really excited. Um, there yeah. is there is nothing wrong with Dawson's Creek. I'm just going to say well, it right now. There is so much wrong with Dawson's Creek. I will take issue with that. I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly because I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like Kevin Williamson is an incredibly underrated screenwriter. And there are brilliant film elements sprinkled in that show. As, yeah. as, as, as a whole, it is trash. There is light at the shining moment. All, all, all throughout, all, all throughout that show, there, there are some great moments. I'm in the middle of season three, so I maybe, maybe something. I, I am pleased to see like Mike White produced and like consulted on a ton of episodes, which I did not know. I'm a huge Mike White fan, both you know from his film work and also I'm a diehard Survivor fan. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was interested. I was like, oh, okay, maybe this is not as bad as it seems. Um, but yeah. Well, I love that you mentioned the word survivor because <laughs> do you think, and, and, and you, can, you can call me crazy for this, but do you find that the downslope of America started with reality television and 24-hour news cycles? It seemed like when that came to prominence, the craziness really amped up in my mind. 
Um, I would not equate 24 hour news cycle with reality TV. So I would take issue with your premise. You are cutting, cutting out. You are completely frozen on my end. Can you hear me? I cannot hear you. You are completely frozen. There I we go. You're, okay. You're back. Great. What was the second part of your question? What was the second part of that question? Well, you were you were you were taking offense to the reality television with twenty four hour news cycles. I kind of yeah. feel like they go hand in hand. Why why do you feel differently? I I just think they serve completely different functions and uh, have a different audience. Like they're for different people to do different things. I find that very. I I love that. I I feel <laughs> like I feel like they're honestly directed at the same audience. They are both strictly for entertainment purposes and trying to, I guess, invoke this guttural response from you. That's, that's kind of how I see both of them always play out, to me at least. Yeah, I don't know. I think news is, is really trying, like I said, like they're trying to sell ads. They want you to watch and to feel addicted. And they do that by stoking fear. Um, whether that is like Russiagate coming out of Rachel Maddow or, it's, you know, Obama and all the like birth certificate bullshit and whatever that's coming out of the Fox News. Like, I think they're both trying to make you feel unsafe and and it gives you this false idea that like, oh, armed with information, you're somehow what, like doing enough? I don't I just like don't understand that that really actually was really hard for me Um uh, during like the whole like Mueller investigation and people were, I was like, who the hell cares? Like, this is not like, I don't know, like maybe, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's no there, but like, Hey, like there's a huge teacher strike wave that's happening across the country. Like, are you going to the picket line? Are you going to help workers? Like this doesn't actually look, um, like even worst case scenario, I don't see how this actually improves people's lives in any concrete way. Um, Whereas, you know, I'm going to like stand by, I'm going to stand by reality TV. I mean, but you know, there's like, they've devolved. I, you know, I'm, I, you know, I love a, a good think piece on how like real world started and how it just turned into like hot tub orgies and like, you know, like that's interesting to me. And then there's like, I'm sure interesting comments on what that says about the, you know, ebbs and flows of society and culture, but I don't think they're as dangerous um, as 24 hour news cycle, but I'm, you know, open to being wrong. Very open. Do, do you appreciate when the filmmaker like Oliver Stone goes over to Russia and goes against the grain and tries to put a human touch on somebody like, like Vladimir Putin and highlights the good things that that man has done and comes back over here and completely gets shit on. <laughs> Do you appreciate filmmakers that are taking risks still? He, I'm pretty sure he's in his 80s. He's still taking more risks than most filmmakers out there now. Yeah, I don't 
know that specific incident that you're talking about. I'm not familiar with him going to Russia and like trying to make Putin look good. Um, so I, I can't, I can't entirely speak to that, but I'm all in favor of filmmakers taking risks. And I think that that's harder to do now, just like with social media. Um, so I applaud someone who doesn't care about being pilloried because I'm scared of that. <laughs> Well, do you notice that the most change comes from when artists are trying to go against the grain and are trying to make change themselves? And why do you think that artists aren't doing that enough now, even past social media? Why do you think it is social media stamping them down? Um, I think it's hard to like, it, it, it seems like, like you need to be a brand right now as a, as a filmmaker, as an artist. Like you have to market yourself you have to have some kind of social media presence um that you know to generate a following it's really hard to break break through and there's so many streaming channels there's so much content that be, is being made all the time it's really hard to get any traction and then and then yeah with, with social media everyone is um a critic and able to like that's what happens when you democratize voices right like someone with a platform um, in like traditional established media is going to have the same platform as someone who's just, you know, tweeting from their couch. And, um, and that is good and bad and, and complicated. When did you get into politics? Who put that bug in you? Uh, the politics bug. I, I think probably always, I think my, my parents were both, are both, um, uh, like, uh, how would I, they're both lawyers, um, and they're both, uh, like public interest lawyers. And so, um, issues of, of, uh, inequity, systemic racism, criminal justice, corruption, those are things that were just like the air that I breathed growing up, um, which wasn't so much like politicians, but looking at, you know, systems writ large, um, through and thinking about the role of government. And those were, those were conversations we were having around the dinner table. And so I think it's just, um, you know, a hop, skip and a jump from that towards making films uh, like the kind that I have made. Would you say that they're really proud of the films that you've made? I would say that my parents are very proud <laughs> of the films that I made. They're proud of all of their children. Uh, I think, uh, I think you could, I have two younger brothers and it looks like the apple just fell like directly down. We're just, um, yeah. Did you ever think that you were going to go down that lawyer route? Uh, I still think. <laughs> I still <laughs> think. I go, how does anyone make money in film? Um, you can't. This doesn't work. I, I need to, like, rethink things. Um, but, you know, my dad's a public defender. There's not, like, there's oodles of money uh, in that either. And I'm sure, you know, that would be the type of law that I would be interested in is not the kind that pays anyway. So, um I don't know. No. <laughs> well, well, growing up around individuals that practiced public law, would you say that the protests that stemmed out of George Floyd last year have led to real change? Do you think that these particular protests in this particular, I guess, mindset in the public right now, do you see at least that portion changing anytime soon? 
Um, that portion being like police funding and like racial issues all the way to police corruption, (laughs) frankly. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's happening. I think it's slow. I think, you know, this, the, the government as as it is set up is not designed to have fast turnaround on issues like that. And so it can be excruciating to watch. Um, and you can look around the country and find all kinds of examples of, of improvements that are happening. I made a film that I'm working on finishing right now, but the LA teacher strike um, two years ago. And um, they were they, they They won like dozens of things in their new contract. Um, one of them being a reduction in the police searching on camp on, on schools. Like the police were able to go into schools um, and, and do these random searches on students. And, and that was insane that not every school, most schools did not have a nurse even maybe one day a week, but they had campus security going around checking like black kids backpacks. So that is, that is reduced now. And so there's a whole host of, of things, you know, you have progressive district attorneys that are, that are going around it. And hopefully people know more. I mean, but police corruption obviously is not new. Um, but right. Like with social media, with everyone having a camera, we're able to, to see it more easily. Who surprised you the most of all of your subjects making this film? Was it a, I guess a certain population, a certain kind of individual, a certain person that has a certain kind of a job. Who who shocked you the most in, I guess, their views on socialism? Um, like people I interviewed or filmed with or just like friends or family members? No, who... subjects in the film. Yeah. Um, I think just being, I'd never been to Oklahoma before and I ended up spending quite a few weeks in Oklahoma for the film. Um and I had an idea in my head about what Oklahoma was like, and that was not what I saw or experienced at all. Um, I like loved Oklahoma, and I had I had such a great time there. And also, just like being at the Capitol with uh, there were like sixty thousand teachers, and um, and you know these like a lot of like really nice white women like getting really pissed and like this idea of like, wait, what? Like, I thought my government was responding to me. Like they were just having this like real disillusionment, um, which was um, wild to see, Uh, you know, they were like, oh, well, if we just ask for funding nicely, like surely they will understand. And then um, like that didn't, didn't happen. So that was like an interesting um, place and time to be that I think uh, helped me uh, in a lot of ways, rethink my own ideas and stereotypes. Do you think enough is being done in the earlier education, junior high, high school to, I guess, bring to light people like Eugene Debs and, and actual untold histories of the United States? Do you, do you think enough is being done to try to change this? I mean, I'm sure not. I, I'd never heard of Eugene Debs before I started this film. That was not anything like no socialist history was ever taught to me at any point. I mean, I wasn't a history major. I was in college, so that wasn't going to be, you know, but in high school, like that was not on my radar at all. It was on my grandma's radar. It was like, oh, Eugene Debs, like she knew. So there was like, there's a gap, right? There's like a very big generational gap in this, in, in this knowledge. 
um, and history. So hopefully that, that is something that will be, you know, brought around because um, it's important. It's really important. Can you tell us any more about the teacher strike film and what other projects do you have coming up? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a short film that I'm directing and producing with my friend Yoni Golajov. And, um, and that was a trip. We were, we were down in LA with union leadership for most of the, well, for the strike and, and leading up to the strike. Um, and so we're just hopefully finishing editing that next week. It's obviously been two years. So, you know, we've been trying to work on it on evenings and weekends because we have, you know, these day jobs, these other films that we're working on. Um, so I'm very excited for that to finally be done and out there. Um, and like I said, like, especially now with, you know, strikes just sort of becoming more and more in the mainstream conversation. Um, excited for that film to be um, part of the discussion. Um, and then I have a few other projects that I'm in pre-production or production on and um, that, I don't know, we'll see where, we'll see where they go. Documentary is a winding road. Thank you so much for coming on here. You know, you're always welcome. I appreciate that you came on here. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for listening. That was Yale Bridge. Make sure to check out the big scary S word, saving capitalism left on purpose. Uh, She has some amazing short films you need to check out as well. Make sure to always keep an eye out for her. Thank you again for listening. And this concludes our broadcast day.